And welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I'm Stella, and we are recording live on Instagram. This is the podcast um, LX2 Codependency Coaching. And I was telling my Instagram viewers that I um, was excited about presenting uh, my Codependency Skills Workshop this weekend um, on the 22nd of April. I wrote the, the original workshop in 2018 and it was like a couple of pages long. And so that is, was actually like what prompted me to write the book and kind of uh, blow it up and, and do more concepts on, you know, kind of the originations of codependency for myself and then just kind of how they show up in other people's lives using my uh, clinical experience, my, you know, education, and then my own personal experience. And so I really kind of put together this idea of how codependency shows up outside of uh, being around people with addiction, which is kind of the only way that people have really talked about uh, codependency. And um, I was actually talking to my daughter this morning when we were walking the dogs um, about the difference between codependent versus interdependent versus dependent um, and how that orientation to humanity um, and you know the human experience is very different. And so I know that I've talked about it before, but I do want to talk about it again today. And because I'm doing education on codependency uh, this weekend, it's an opportunity. Um, so, you know, the, the orientation of dependence is really interesting. When we think about the human condition and our need for connection or our drive for connection, um, you know, we think about littles or, or babies or, you know, small children. They are dependent on us for their needs, food, shelter, clothing, all the stuff. Um, but they're also dependent on us for how they kind of formulate their awareness of themselves and, you know, they, their need for validation and acceptance and love. And so they are dependent on the adult in the relationship. Um, and depending on how that attachment style works in terms of are they secure or insecure or anxious or avoidant, all of those things then inform how they are, how their dependence style uh, kind of develops. And so the ideal gold standard is interdependent. It's two independent humans or a group of independent humans working together to solve problems and be in relationship and all those things. Codependency is not that you are dependent on other people. It's actually quite the opposite. It is that you feel like you are, you don't depend on other people. You don't need other people. A lot of times when people are codependent, they are hyper independent. And so they do not ask for their needs. They don't even have an awareness that they have needs um, or that they will take care of their own needs because they can't depend on other people to do that. And so hyper independence is a symptom of codependency. What codependency is, and just from a definitional place, it is an orientation to other humans and depending on them for validation, acceptance, and love, uh, and doing whatever is unhealthy in terms of how they get that acceptance, validation, and love from another person, oftentimes sacrificing themselves or um, really feeling as though they cannot have their own experience um, with relation to the other person, right? And so what I wanted to talk about today was this idea of ownership and accountability. 
um, I was having a conversation earlier in the week uh, with someone who was having some discourse with a friend of theirs. And, um, you know, they wanted to like send a message and be like, this is how I saw the situation. And this is what I take accountability for, take ownership of in terms of, of our exchange. And this was your part is what she said. Uh, you know, this is what you're accountable for. This is, you know, how I perceive this exchange. And I said, here's something interesting. When we deal with other people and their emotions and, you know, their experience of a situation, we all come from our own perspective. And so when we say, this is what I see is your part, is what she said. Um, and so really that idea of accountability is oftentimes when we are coming into a relationship from a codependent perspective, uh, we want to take ownership of all of it, right? If there's any kind of discourse or argument or a spicy moment, whatever it is, you know, it's all my fault, right? We want to take the blame. And I think about like the idea of blame as ownership or accountability and really thinking about the, the fact that when we are dependent on other people for our validation and perspective of ourselves, Oftentimes we will take more responsibility for interactions and we want to take responsibility for the other person's feelings and their behavior. And we want to be accountable probably to a much larger degree than is actually happening. Um, and so I have talked often in the past of how we take responsibility for other people's feelings, right? I don't want them to feel blah, 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 insert thing here. I don't want them to feel mad. I don't want them to feel upset. I don't want them to feel isolated. I don't want them to feel abandoned. And so I'm going to do these extra things, um, oftentimes sacrificing ourselves. And so really looking at that idea of accountability and ownership when it comes to having relationship, right? Oftentimes when we are taking ownership of somebody else's feelings, we don't recognize that that's what we're doing. We think that we are creating comfort or uh, connection when the reality is that if we are not speaking our truth or claiming our own feelings or recognizing, you know, I felt really dismissed or disregarded or uh, frustrated or uh, resentful in this exchange, then the other person cannot then take responsibility for their behaviors, choices, their own feelings, right? And so I was thinking about that, that idea of how when we are reacting or responding or interacting from our codependence, <clears throat> our codependency, we, we take an overabundance of ownership or accountability for interactions or exchanges without really allowing the space for understanding and connection and for the other person to take ownership for themselves of where they were coming from or their perspective. Um, it's interesting when we think about the idea of wanting to have relationship. I talk often, um, certainly in the writing, about how it is a human condition to want connection. It is a human condition to want um, communication and to be in relationship with other people. And however we do that largely has to do with how we were raised and how we feel about ourselves. And I've talked often about how one of the kind of protections against being codependent or having codependent relationships is having a well of love for yourself um, and 
it's not easy to do because no one has ever said like, you just need to love yourself and, you know, have a, have an appreciation for who you are. And then you won't have a codependence, you know, orientation, or you won't be codependent on other people, uh, for validation, acceptance, and love. We don't know how to do that. And the way that we learn how to love ourselves is by, you know, the examples that we're given in terms of attachment from our primary caregivers or the people around us, right? And so I think there's a lot of layers in development when it comes to how we learn to take ownership or accountability for our behavior, our choices, our feelings. Um, Because oftentimes if we were raised in a situation where expressing our feelings or even if there were feelings, we as small children, I can speak for myself, if I learned that... (sighs) If I do X, Y, Z thing and mom yells or, you know, dad leaves or mom and dad fight because I did a thing without, again, kids don't understand that mom and dad are going to fight and I did a thing. Those two things are separate. We take a lot of ownership of our behavior and choices and how they influence other people's feelings. And um, I say often and in a clinical setting, like with, with clients, but I've also, also said it with family, like I don't have any control over how you feel. If I do a thing, you feel a way. And those are two separate situations. But when we're little kids and when we are just experiencing life and things that happen around us, we do a thing and a feeling happens. And then we have a feeling about that. Um, you know, for example, like I didn't pick up my toys, mom and dad are fighting or mom is yelling at me. And so I know that I need to pick up my toys in order for mom to be happy, right? Or to not yell at me. And again, they don't have that, that awareness of what is happening separate from them because they have their own orientation to the world and how interactions and, and feelings happen. They don't have the logical ability or the cognitive ability to recognize I didn't pick up my toys and mom was having all kinds of feelings before that happened. Um, and now she's yelling at me. Right. And so as we get older, what we want to do is mitigate our own discomfort. We don't want to feel uncomfortable because mom's yelling. <laughs> that makes any sense. So we take ownership in that way. That is our first awareness or orientation to taking ownership or accountability for what is happening in our larger experience. And so then as adults, or even as, you know, kids in middle school or high school or whatever, if we don't learn how to regulate our own emotion, then we walk around thinking everything I do creates other people's feelings. And so either I have to make myself small or I have to, you know, be very conscious and and, uh, aware of how other people behave so that I don't feel uncomfortable. I hope that makes sense. Um, But I I do recognize that oftentimes what we have learned in terms of how we integrate our awareness is if I do certain behaviors and the reaction that other people have is positive, negative, neutral, whatever, then I'm going to do more behaviors to get a positive reaction, okay? And so if that means I want my friends to come over after school, you know, I'm going to have to 
do whatever is necessary to get people to like me, right? I'm going to have to dress a certain way. I'm going to have to look a certain way. I'm going to have to be sweet or kind or whatever. And all of those things are neutral things. But what we have learned is that our behavior choices and, you know, decisions affect other people. Those things are true and other people get to make their own decisions and have their own choices and behavior based on their own experience. And so when we're talking about regulating emotion, we want to have the most positive outcome, right? We want to have a positive interaction or a useful exchange or whatever. From a very young age, like we're starting to even recognize how when I giggle and you giggle, that's awesome. Like little tiny kids get real excited because we get excited when they're, you know, doing something positive. We also have very strong feelings <laughs> when they're doing something that affects us negatively. Um, and so really thinking about how kids start to learn how to mirror what is happening with them. Uh, in those those interactions, right? And so then the, the same is true as they get older and start having more interactions with other people. Um, the codependent kind of unhealthy piece is I want to be the most comfortable, right? I want to make sure that my homeostasis is general peace, <laughs> right? Or, or positivity, right? And so I'm going to do whatever is necessary to make that happen. And so if that means that I have to take accountability or responsibility or ownership of whatever's happening, I will do that and then I will behave accordingly. Okay. So when we think about discourse or conflict, which takes us away from that initial drive of connection, then I'm going to do whatever's necessary to get us back to that homeostasis. That homeostasis of neutrality or peace is I'm going to do whatever's necessary to get us back to calm, right? Get us back to zero. And whatever whatever it takes to do that, then, you know, I will take on extra responsibility. I will take on extra burden. I will take on uh, doing extra tax, tasks. I will, you know, just make sure that you and I are okay. And so the way for me to do that is if I have to take full responsibility for the situation just to mitigate it, then I'll do that, which is not helpful, but it feels helpful in the moment. And if we've grown up around chaos or conflict, I will do whatever's necessary to make myself small and make myself amenable and digestible and whatever, so that the people around me are not having big feelings, reactions, whatever it is that makes me uncomfortable. Um, and so when I, we do conflict um, awareness or education, specifically when I'm working with couples, what I start to orient them to is what was their conflict orientation growing up and how did that look? And then how are they like whichever parent that they, you know, model their own conflict style around? Um, and then how does the other person react, right? And so if we have somebody that's conflict avoidant, um, they will do whatever's necessary to avoid a conflict. Either I will shut down or I will take responsibility or I will do whatever you need me to do so that we don't fight, right? I have talked about my relationships in the past and my ex-husband and I didn't really have a whole lot of fighting. Um, and because he was conflict avoidant and I was conflict avoidant, like that's what would happen. I do tend to be more reactive and um, 
volatile, or I have been in the past. And uh, so what he learned from observing me in relationship with other people was that I can be an ass, which is 100% true. I can totally be a dick. Um, and I have a sharp tongue and I know a lot about, like, I, I don't, I'm not physically aggressive, but I am uh, rationally aggressive. Um, and so I will learn all the things about you and then I will use them against you and, you know, in some way, form or fashion, or that's how I have been in the past. Um, so he learned those things in observing me with relationship with my family or with other people. And so, you know, he knew that that's how I oriented myself to the world. He also grew up with a mom who um, was similar to me in that way. Um, and so he learned just to either not engage or to do whatever was necessary to mitigate that kind of reaction, which was helpful for him at the time. Um, but we never fought about anything. And so what I know to be true now is I would much rather have a spicy conversation and I would much rather have um, an awareness of how you feel in our exchange than to not have that conversation at all. Um, and so with my friends and with people that are close to me, um, and certainly this version of me today is going to want to have a spicy conversation, is going to want to be able to express my feelings and my um, displeasure or my frustration in a way that builds connection rather than not having that conversation at all and just presuming that everything is fine, right? Um, when I was in Italy and Spain, when I was traveling um, with my friend Teresa, um, she, <laughs> and I love, I love how she did this. It was really awesome. One of the ways, and we've talked about it, how we travel is that we're both independent humans and we're both really good at managing things in general and specifically when it comes to travel. And we were getting ready to leave from Rome to Spain. And she said, I noticed that you get really anxious on travel days. And she'd been, you know, talking with me um, throughout the whole trip. And so when I would get ready to go from, you know, one place to another, um, what she said was, I noticed that you get really anxious on travel days. And what she was responding to was, you know, me reacting to something in probably a spicier way than, than I had before. Um, and I had mentioned something about... I don't know, like the bags or like getting a car, it was getting a car to the airport. And I was like, you know, do we make a, do we make a reservation? Like we can, we can get a transfer from the airport or we can get a cab or we can get an Uber. Like, how do you want to do that? But I think I was, I was behaving in a way that was expressing my anxiety. And so she said, <clears throat> I noticed that you get really anxious on travel days. And I was like, that is a thing that happens. Like, this is why, um, and how I have managed it because I traveled by myself. Um, and so she said, it made me aware of things that I don't know or didn't think about. And one of the things that happens when we are dealing with somebody else who's anxious is we don't want to make it worse or we want to help manage it um, or we want to get back to that homeostasis of like neutrality or peace. Um, and so we had a conversation about, yeah, yes, I do get anxious. How do I handle it when I'm by myself? And then how, um, and if I needed support to be able to manage my anxiety, which was really helpful because then I was like, okay, cool. Clued into the fact that I'm anxious. And then 
gave me some options in terms of how do we get back to neutral? How do we get back to zero? Um, and so she said, I, you know, I really do love how we communicate um, because I reckon, she said, I recognize that you had anxiety and then I got some anxiety. It was like, oh, should I be more worried about this? Should I be concerned about it? Whatever. And then, you know, she said, how can I support? Which was amazing. It was a perfect exchange. Um, oftentimes I will tell clients, especially when they start a new relationship, you know, and it's the first season, like the first three months or whatever. Um, by the time that you get to a place where the idea of traveling seems like a good idea, um, travel can be, and just or like novel situations or um, higher intensity situations can create anxiety or discomfort in some way. And it is an opportunity when two people or however many people are in relationship um, to be aware of how the other person deals with activation, right? So that anxiety, anger, whatever, and then how to be supportive without taking ownership of their feelings. Is there something I am doing that is creating this emotional reaction, right? So going back to that idea of like, I don't control how other people feel. I, I will do something, I will create a stimulus, and the other person has a reaction emotionally. When we have emotional reactions, it's just based on st it's stimulus response. Something happens, I feel a certain type of way about it. And when we are in relationship and connecting with another person, independent people will be like, look at you having a feeling. That seems weird. Do I want, do I want to support in that? Or am I just curious? Like, what's going on with you? Tell me, tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what's up. Uh, without taking ownership of like, oh, you're having a feeling, so I must have done something wrong or I must have done something weird or somehow I am responsible for that feeling. It is an opportunity to, again, from an independent perspective. So back to the dependent, independent orientation. I was explaining it to my to my daughter, like using my hands from a clinical perspective, um, from my education, whatever. So independent people function on their own in the world. You know, this is just how I how I function. I'm independent. Um, dependence is like I am dependent on you to take care of me, to keep me safe, to you know, food, shelter, clothing, me, all the things generally, uh, infants or people who, you know, can't take care of themselves are dependent, right? So there's the independent person who takes care of the other person. Interdependent is two independent people working together to, you know, for the common good, like all the things. Codependency is two not quite independent people need to depend on each other and so they have a meshed relationship with no boundaries. There is no separation between, you know, the two independent people. And so for those of you who are listening and not watching my hands, two independent people are, you know, functional by themselves, doing their own thing, and can be in relationship with other people. Um, and so if you want to check out the video later, um, you know, I'm holding my two indicator fingers or my pointer fingers up. Those are independent people. Dependent people is, you know, together, uh, one depends on the other in order to function. Um, and then codependents are like just enmeshed, no boundaries, no separation. Um, and so interdependent is, you know, we can touch, we can come together, we can function in a healthy way, but we are still separate individuals. And so we're not in, we're not dependent on the other person 
to function. Although from a problem solving perspective, we work really well together, but we still have our own separate identities, uh, healthy boundaries, limits, all of those things. So, um, you know, back to this idea of relationships and, you know, this ideal concept of interdependence is that two people or however many people are in relationship um, are able to come to an understanding with curiosity and with um, with a genuine concern, not without, you know, without taking ownership of the other person's feelings or perspective. It is an opportunity for connection, communication, and understanding to be like, I see you having a feeling and I'm curious about what's going on there, right? Um, you know, when we talk to our friends or, you know, I, I have... Uh, you know, regular check-ins with with my close people. And so, especially now since I've been back, I've had an opportunity to like go to lunch or go to dinner or just spend time together. And so, you know, they're they're genuinely curious about like, how was the trip? Tell me, you know, what was your favorite part? What was the hardest thing? Like, how did you experience, you know, these different places that you were in? And so they're just, they're genuinely curious, right? Um, and I am a person who communicates a lot about feelings. And so I talk a lot about like, this part was really hard. This part was really awesome. I had this really cool experience. Um, and so, you know, I am able to communicate that without needing them to validate my experience in any other way than going, that's really awesome. I'm curious about that. Tell me more, right? It creates understanding. When we are coming from a codependent place, um, and especially when we are in relationship with another person and that person is in some way discomforted, they are not happy. They are frustrated, overwhelmed, you know, whatever it is with genuine curiosity, like tell me what's going on with you is one way to orient yourself to building connection. I'm really curious what's, what's happening in your day and your time and your moment, whatever it is. And then just allowing them to feel that way, right? Really frustrated. I've had a long day. Um, you know, my my two-year-old was up all night, like whatever. I'm tired. My body hurts. Whatever's going on, all of that is independent to that other person's experience. And I'm just here, like listening. I'm witnessing that for you. And that is that that ideal way of being loved is to be seen without needing to fix it, without needing to change it. Like, I just need you to bear witness to my experience. And then should I choose to want to support you in any way, then, you know, that's an opportunity to be like, that sounds like it was a rough day. What can I do to support you? And oftentimes when you're functioning from that independence, you know, you're just asking me about my day is enough, right? If you are, you know, cohabitating with someone and living in, in, the same space with them. It sounds like it was a rough day, you know, have a seat, let me get you a drink or whatever. Um, then I will take, let me take the trash out or let me take the dogs for a walk or, you know, let me make you a snack. That is a way of being supportive without taking ownership of somebody else's feelings, without having to change or fix whatever is happening just to be supportive, right? My job as, you know, someone's partner, friend, mom, whatever, is let me let me bear witness to what you're experiencing, feeling, and and dealing with. And then if I choose to, how can I support? Right? 
that is such a different orientation to how we have been raised, especially when we are codependent, is like something uncomfortable is happening. Let me fix it. Let me mitigate it. Let me, how do I get us back to neutral as fast as possible? And what it does is it, it doesn't give the other person, one, an opportunity to just feel what they're feeling or experience what they're experiencing. And when we are often trying to fix another person, the other person might start to feel like something's wrong with them, right? If you're always trying to fix me, that's not, that doesn't feel good. I mean, even the idea of someone trying to fix me feels gross, right? We don't ever go into it like we want to fix you. We go into it like I want to help you. I want to, you know, make sure that you're comfortable and um, I want to make sure that you're not feeling, you know, some kind of negative thing when that's actually part of their experience. When we take somebody else's choice to have an emotional reaction to something, we are basically lessening their opportunity to self-regulate. And that is so important, right? When we are trying to make people comfortable, we are taking away their opportunity to help themselves to be comfortable, right? A lot of times the idea of codependency is that we are enablers. We, I speak for myself, we are perpetuating discomfort or dysregulation by taking away somebody's opportunity to problem solve. And in that enabling, we are perpetuating their dysfunction, right? I don't want you to feel anything. Means that you are not then able to have your feelings and work through it. And so when we take ownership or accountability for someone else's feelings, or someone else's ability to problem solve, or somebody else's independence, what we are doing is we're perpetuating their dependence on us, and that feels good for us. Gross. That's the way to shift how to look at dependence, independence, codependence, and interdependence. Okay, hopefully that made sense. That's our time. 30 minutes went by very quickly. Um, and so ownership and accountability is is kind of a way to start to think about it. If you are in Albuquerque and you are just watching this today on the 21st and you want to attend my workshop skills uh, training, uh, DM me or email me lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. Um, you can get me here. You can get me on Facebook. Uh, this is Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. And um, I'm Stella at Alex to codependency coaching. I'm going to end the live video and then I'll end the podcast. Um, I will be having more workshops uh, specific to codependency training. And then, um, you know, the book comes out hopefully uh, midsummer. And you can check out the stuff on my website, clickable spaces under my name. And uh, I'll talk to you guys in a week. Take care. All right, we are ending the video and we are ending the recording. Uh, again, Stella LX2 Codependency Coaching. You can get a hold of me um, at lx2.cod.coach, uh, on email, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. Um, and I will be hosting more workshops. And that's that's it for today. Take care.